Welcome to the latest episode of the Nickel City Soundtrack Podcast. In this episode, I, Mark, was interviewed by Alex and Chris. Well, me and Jay from my old band, Black X, were interviewed about our band, Black X, that we did with Chris Smith, Eric Elman, Bill Wickham, and Artie Valone. Uh, we talked about the band, how we formed the band, being able to play with... Uh, some of our heroes during the course of that band and uh, what happened to the band and why we broke up and stuff like that. So check it out and we will see you on the next one. Welcome to the latest episode of the Nickel City Soundtrack. I am your host, Chris. My name is Alex. And today we're doing something a little different. We are talking to Black X. Therefore, Mark Miller is on the other side of the page on this one. So, representatives of Black X, why don't you introduce yourselves? I'm Mark. I sang for Black X. Uh, I'm Jay. I played guitar for Black X. Yeah, that's us. This is, this is going to be fun. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's let's start it off. Let's talk about the inception of Black X. Who who came up with the idea, and, and how did you like negotiate this happening? You want me to do this, or do you want to do it, Jay? Um, well, my memory might be a little, I, I can tell you what I remember because when Chris asked me, but uh, go, go, go ahead. Well, Chris and Eric were in a band called The Grail, and that was like a Danzig worship band, if you had ever heard that band. And that they, would be Chris Smith of No Reason and Eric Elman <laughs> of every band that's played a basement in Buffalo. Pretty much. Excellent. Yeah, so they had a band, um, and... It was Chris, Eric, and Sean Martin was in the band. Hmm. And they demoed some tracks, which became like four songs out of the Black X demo. Or And they uh, they had recorded these, this music and they were like, Mark, you should like uh, sing these songs. And they gave me those songs and like, we didn't do anything for like, I think years before we ever like, like became a band. But I think Jay was visiting Buffalo once and we were hanging out and we were like, they were like, we should do it. Is that seem accurate to you, Jay? Yeah, that, that's what I remember. Uh, I remember we, uh, we went uh, hiking or for a walk or something like that in the, at the gorge. Yeah. And uh, I just remember, uh, well, I knew about the, the demo stuff that had existed before because uh, Chris had mentioned it to me a few times it, it was floating around for a long time yeah uh and eric because sean had played drums on that uh and for those who don't know that's aaron martin's little brother who played with rage um eric was uh playing guitar so it was eric and chris playing guitar um and then Sean and uh, Chris had mentioned to me about maybe trying to uh, make that a, a band 
uh, an actual band. And all he told me was, uh, we want to call it Black X because that would be funny and cool. And Mark's going to sing. <laughs> and I was like, okay, well, I live in Chicago. <laughs> uh, but with the, the, the thought process was, and, and I was extremely busy in harm's way at the time too. Um, but we just thought like, oh, well, you know, this will be cool because we grew up playing music together uh, between, at a minimum, between Chris, Eric, and myself. I don't know if Farside was in the picture in that yet. So we thought it would be cool, like, ah, whatever, you know, we've known e each other since we were literally like kids, basically. Um, so we just thought like, yeah, who cares? I mean, we'll figure it out. It's more about having fun. And like, I, I remember Chris saying like, we're old men and we're straight edge, who cares? You know, we'll, <laughs> we'll figure out the details. Uh, and then I was like, yeah, absolutely. Then like count me in. <laughs> so so that, that's my memory of, of that inception was that conversation with Chris. So this is this is a burning question that I've had for years because <laughs> when I when I first heard the Black X stuff, I did not expect Mark to sound as awesome as he did. What was your reaction when you first? No, you're going to take it and you're going to accept it. What was your reaction when you like heard like this glorious sound over the music you guys were doing? Mine was the same as yours absolutely sound. Like, not at all not at all what i expected but in a very positive way yeah same yeah. uh i had absolutely no idea what what i was in for with with mark singing i mean obviously i've known mark for 
forever, but I've never been in a band with them. I don't, Mark, you were never in a band before, were you at all? I was not. Yeah, I, 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 you're always the guy taking photos. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, we had no idea. Um, yeah, pleasantly surprised. Uh, well done, Mark. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> and, and, and now to you, Mark. Yeah. How did you like, is that just what came out when you started singing or was there, was there some like thought process put into it? Because as like an example, like Vogel apparently has four different hardcore voices. You know, he has a slugfest voice, his buried alive voice, his terror voice, and his hashtag Cinderblock 2021 voice. Don't forget World Be Free. Oh, and World Be Free. So he has five. It's like the five deadly venoms over there. <laughs> nice call. <laughs> so what are you asking me? Like, did was there any thought into how your vocals were going to sound, or is that just what came out like you like? You hear the music, you write the words, you pick up the mic, and that's what happens. Or was there like some thought put into how you wanted the sounds? I don't know. Like, like the first four songs that we did, I had no idea how to write lyrics. So, like, Jay wrote the Jay wrote the lyrics for the first four songs, and then he like hit a scratch track and yeah. sang them. But then I just, I just yelled. I mean, I, I didn't. There wasn't really a thought as how to how I would sing. I just like kind of like yelled. Oh. <laughs> Which songs are the first four? Because the demo six, right? Yeah. Um, no heart. Uh, what's uh? I might have sleeve. Um, I don't freaking know. What, what are the other two songs? So, wow. is that hollow? White lies, black X, and reflection are the other four on the hollow and reflection were also songs that Jay wrote. Yeah. So that. What happened was I, I kind of remember this now that Mark is yeah. starting to he, he was he was kind of terrified of like <laughs> uh, the concept of of uh, of doing this and he was like I mean I'm not taking anything away from Mark because what eventually came out sounded great but he was like dude I have no idea what I'm doing I don't know like I've never written lyrics. Uh, I remember specifically like we talked about cadencing a lot. So I was like, okay, well, like I'll write lyrics and cadences to these songs. And I don't even care if you use them or not. Cause like, like, you know, I'm just, this is, this is like, you know, just like chewing gum to me. Like it's, it's not a big deal. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, you can use them if you want. I don't care, but like, this is, just kind of an example and I sent that stuff to him and he was like he was like okay like you know how'd you do this like what was your thought process here and like mm -hmm. we ended up using I think most of that if not all of it and then like after that Mark just wrote everything um but like even still like the stuff that I wrote he performed fine I had no idea what his voice was going to sound like even at that point but he needed help uh, kind of getting started writing the writing the cadences and the lyrics. Uh, but after that, he took it and ran with it. I think I still have that stuff here. So it's like, I've got it. I've got it somewhere. I got all that stuff. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> it's, it's me like screaming in my apartment, uh, it, it, but it, I mean, it's, you know, it's recorded like 
reasonably well, so it actually doesn't sound that bad. But uh, it's uh, like it, it just this is totally like sidetracked. But have you heard Goat singing over the No Reason songs? No. You need to. It's fucking amazing. Goat Reason is a record that needs to come out. Oh, reason. <laughs> like, it is a record that needs to come out. It is so fucking good <laughs> and unexpected. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I. How did that? Well, that's like a different conversation, I guess. Yeah, that's a whole other thing. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. let's get back into Black X. How long? How long did you guys practice before you did your like first show? It was a while. Well. Jay didn't practice with us. Did you? How often did you? You only practice with us like right before the first show, or did you practice with us before that? Um, I think I I before that first show. Uh, I think I flew in practice just the like the night before with you guys. So I don't know how how often you guys were practicing pretty frequently. I think every week. Wrong. Every, I mean, every I Wednesday was, night. Yeah, I was 600 miles away, so I had no fucking idea. I just, I just flew in and showed up, and you know, did it like a rock star. So, uh, <laughs> like, literally, like, you know, when I would come in, like, we'd practice the night, like the night I got in. Chris would pick me up from the airport. We'd go to practice. Barside wouldn't show up, and then we'd practice. <laughs> and uh, it was too late for him. <laughs> <laughs> Always, I, I can relate. I can relate. <laughs> uh i'm i'm not sure i think uh i think i think you guys were practicing quite a bit before that first show but uh it was at least six months to a year before we yeah it it was a it was a long time a lot of that was just because of everyone's schedule because we're fucking old yeah i remember thinking the band was never actually going to happen because mark was telling me about it (laughs) and then it was just like oh are you ever going to play? Eh, who knows? <laughs> it was a project. Yeah, I mean, honestly, like, I don't even know if we really, we knew. We just, my mindset going into it was, like, I'm playing music with old friends. You know, anything after that is a is a bonus. Uh, so, yeah, I think, uh, it, it, but it was a long time. I mean, I, I had that demo stuff for probably a year yeah before we we played that first show but like once once we started uh they were playing they were playing often enough that like i i only played probably like 50 percent of those shows i think i mean i don't even know <laughs> i think it was less so, than 50 percent, but i don't know we'd have to i'd have to look i don't have any like record of anything or how often we play here i feel like to my limited perspective or scope of it that it seemed like you played a lot of shows with them up to and including the judge run and then after that it became less and less and less yeah that's when uh that's when uh i was well i was already busy with harm's way but then we we put out rust and uh, i was on tour a lot uh i was there was a time period where uh, there was a lot of overlap there and i just i was not able to uh to do it but uh i did everything i could (laughs) so let's talk about it yeah yeah (laughs) let's talk about that first show like uh 
who did you play with and how was that reaction? Like, like how did, like, how did people respond to you guys playing particularly like really want to know how people responded to Mark singing. There weren't that many people there. It was a basement. It was at the glitter box. It's some Parkdale in Buffalo. And I mean, there weren't that many people. Alex was there, but it wasn't like a ton of people. Who did we play with? There was like a, it wasn't a hardcore show. Um, I, I couldn't was, tell you any details about that show at all, except it was a basement and you guys played like it's, it's. Yeah, it was, uh, I remember it being all uh, more like punk bands than anything. Yeah. Um, I brought my daughter with me and she would, she was like, I remember that cause uh, she hadn't seen me play in a few years. Uh, that was, God, she would have been like 16 or 17 at the time. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, I just remember it being uh, uh, punk bands. Uh, so we kind of were a, a little heavier than what was, what was going, the vibe that, not just the bands, but the vibe, you know, that was going on at that. It seemed like a punk house, like they must've done shows there uh reasonably often. yeah they were pretty often I've, I've seen a few shows in that, in that yeah place. it seemed like they knew what they were doing uh there wasn't that many people i i remember we played last and it was uh you know there was probably like by the time we played you know maybe 20 people there or something like that mm -hmm. uh but i mean it was fun it was cool i i just remember like you know because uh this was more chris than it was me but it kind of became our mo like we insisted on having full stacks at every single show no matter what <laughs> so like fucking ridiculous idiots we brought four cabinets into this fucking basement that you know was barely even tall enough there was no room it was so insanely fucking loud but uh i think that's the thing that i remember more than anything was yes you know <laughs> As a spectator, after that set, I would say I heard about 75% of the people that were down there complaining, like, why the fuck do they have full stacks? <laughs> and then also a bunch of people were just like, they were pretty good, though. Like, that that, that was actually, they didn't know what to, I didn't know what to expect, really. My, but, my response to that would have been, because SSD. Well, I don't know okay. if they actually had full stacks, but that's immediately what came to mind. Yeah. Alex, do you remember what we played before we played? The sample we played? <laughs> I don't. We played the beginning of the uh, Body Count, the first Body Count album. I thought so, but I wasn't <laughs> sure. I was like, I knew it had to be something nice to you. Yeah, well, I mean. Uh, hi, officer. Uh, that's, their, uh, <laughs> that's their guy. They're, the entire thanks list on their demo is thanks to Ice-T. Pretty much. Yeah, oh. I think. I, I think I recall that uh, sample uh, at the judge show at, here in Chicago at the Metro, which was hilarious because I didn't I didn't know that was going to happen. And I've played the Metro here so many times. So, and that is a like actual legit, like extremely professional sound system. And like they're, you know, we're about ready to play. And I hear that thing. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> But, that, uh, yeah, that show was really strange. So let's talk about that. What, what, ask, go with it, Alex. So I just jumped in the car with Pat Rhodes 
and drove out to the show because I wanted to, you know, support my guys and also uh, judge. It seemed like a good enough reason. And yeah, I mean, Black X played and everybody in the room was just like, all right, so there's this band that we've never heard of before uh, that has X members of 500,000 bands, but they also (laughs) don't sound like really any of those bands. That's true. The room was like one third full. Yeah. By the time they played, and they were playing on what felt like a twenty-five foot tall stage. Yeah, I bet so, I know how, Yeah. <laughs> it was it was a weird vibe for a band of that style, but it was also like it was really cool to see. And uh, I, if I recall, around that time, that was about the only way to get Jay to play with him as well. So <laughs> show up ten minutes from his house and just tell him he's got to be there. Yeah. No, so but, let's. Uh, it was it was it was good. They played really well, and I heard a lot of buzz afterward, including, you know, Mike Judge hitting him up for a shirt, which is uh, not not the worst endorsement. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Cool. <laughs> so how how did those Judge shows come about, and how many of them did you play? And then we'll get into Mike Judge and the shirt. So the 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 Chicago show came about because. Uh, my my friend at the time uh pete uh he was uh one of the main booking agents uh at at the metro here uh and they don't they don't typically do anything really hardcore related now you know that was that happened to be where burning fight was but only because that's where jim wanted it uh and similarly that booking agent, you know, kind of made it happen, but they're known. I mean, that's the venue that broke the smashing pumpkins, you know, that's the kind of level that they're on. Um, but there's been a lot of Chicago punks and hardcore dudes that have worked there in various roles. So sometimes you'll see stuff kind of come about. And, uh, when judge was doing that reunion stint, like not too long after that first, New York thing where no one really knew, you know, if they were going to do anything else. Uh, I remember I, I took, I took my friend Pete to a hockey game here in Chicago Blackhawks game. And he was like, Hey man, uh, don't tell anyone, but uh, I'm working on booking judge. Uh, Cause you know, they're, I guess they're going to be, they're going to be doing more stuff. And at the time, nobody knew he was just, you know, their agent was putting feelers out and I was like, Oh no shit. That's fucking awesome. I'll definitely be there. He's like, well, would, would your straight edge band want to play? And I'm like, absolutely. Like there's not a chance. Like I told him right then and there without even talking to anyone else in the band. I'm like, yes, I guarantee you we will play. So yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and yeah, that's exactly every, everyone was like, yeah, of course. So that's how I got that something was... to say about that, but we'll get up, yeah. we'll get to that. Go for it. <laughs> Not to like throw Bill under the bus, but he was like, he's like, I don't know if we're ready to play with Judge. And he was like, seemed like <laughs> iffy about it. And I was like, what are you talking about? Let's just play with Judge. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I don't know. Judge, I don't know if we're ready. Like, are you fucking kidding? <laughs> like, Come on, get ready. Yeah. I mean, first of all, they practiced every goddamn, well, maybe to him it seemed like they weren't because he was only at like one out of every nine practices, but um, So he wasn't ready and he didn't want to look bad in front of Judge Possibility Still love you, Bill We we still love you, Bill Um, 
Yeah, so that's that's how that came about. Uh, and uh, yeah, that was that was fucking awesome because like we we're hanging out backstage there with you know fucking icons. Of course, the thing the things that I remember the the best about that was we you know we're there for their sound check you know when no one no one's in the building you know it was just like us and you know maybe a few other people i think you know jeremy we had jeremy alex i got yeah i was in there yeah oh were you yeah and uh i just remember like whoever you know i was standing there with like like holy fuck like we're basically watching like a three song private show of judge right now it was fucking incredible was it a four piece or five piece? They they had uh, um, what's his face? Uh, they Charlie. were five pieces. Uh, Blank Charlie's there. Charlie. Well, Charlie, yeah. But it's generally Charlie's been in it when um, what's his Charlie, name? Charlie uh, shifts when, the base when Matt can't do it, right? Right. But when Lars when Lars shit the bed, they got Charlie to take his spot. Because Lars was supposed to be in that initial like reunion thing. Oh, and, was he? I always wondered yeah. about that. Okay, and yeah, I wasn't should, sure. No, Matt, bet on it. Matt was definitely playing bass. Yeah, they were. Okay, five so piece. you had the five piece. Yeah, yeah the yeah. five piece judge is always awesome. The four piece, it's hit yeah. or miss. Yeah, I remember in that sound check, they sound checked "Forget This Time," which, I mean, I I saw them play that once in New York, and it it was it was a, a fart in church nobody cared and i thought they were going to play it again in chicago and uh yeah they they didn't they just sound checked it and faked just me sound out. checked with it yeah i remember thinking <laughs> that too like oh like maybe we'll get to see them play this and they, they didn't so that that was kind of cool to see them sound check with that but not actually play it i agree with you that's a that's an underrated judd song is it though it's great i, I love that I, song I, 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 I I think it's a decent song, but like I feel like it's on the lower end of their catalog. It's just like I, I I think maybe because maybe why it didn't really go over well with a lot of people is because like he's talking about stuff that a lot of eighteen or nineteen year olds at that time weren't really ready for. But as adults, I totally get that song. And I was like, oh yeah, you're talking about being in therapy. I get it. Yeah, and you know to kind of bring it full circle like the reason this all of this was super important and and kind of important to black x's quote-unquote career was like you know chris and i in particular like i would say especially towards the end like 85 percent of what plague with rage was about what we were going for uh that kind of exact what you just said chris with the 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 tone was like that I mean, in my like 17, 18 year old mind at the time, like Mike Judge's lyrics were like the only thing that was kind of like, I'm, I'm talking about hardcore, but I'm also talking about like some kind of next level. Yeah, like real emotional life shit. stuff, which is like, yeah, yeah. if you listen to that Mike Judge interview on uh, the uh, Where It Went podcast, like that, like that's why people connect with him. Uh, but I think you're right, though. Some people weren't ready for it. Uh, but I don't know, like for for me and for us, like especially Chris and I, like for that to kind of come full circle, you know, like the last Plague with Rage song, Where Are You Now? We actually wrote about Mike Judge. 
because mm-hmm. uh, we looked up to him so much and he just disappeared. And so for all this to come full circle was really fucking cool. And then for him to like fucking wear our shirt and like, you know, yeah. Charlie and fucking Porcel were like, like they were coming up, you know, because we had the fucking full stacks and we had, you know, <laughs> this crazy fucking gear be- just because we're fucking nerds. They were like, holy shit. Like, Charlie was like, hey, can I borrow that? Like, he wanted to use Chris's <laughs> black man amp. And Chris was, I was like, oh shit, am I about to have like a weird interaction where I have to like mediate? Because Chris is such a fucking weirdo about his amps. But <laughs> fucking guitar, you know, here's Charlie from fucking Judge and Outface and Civ. Like, can I use your amp, Chris? You know, and Chris doesn't let anyone. And, he let him use it and like chris even told me he's like the only reason i let him use this is because it's him yeah. uh and then like porcel was like uh i remember porcel saying something like uh he, yeah he was like uh back in the day like all we had were you know fucking marshals man and like you kids you know and kids were in our <laughs> you like, children yeah, I'm like 39 at the time. He's like, you kids, like, you don't know how good you got it with these fucking mesas. Like, <laughs> you know, actually has some oomph to it. And I'm like, I just had a fucking gear conversation with Porcel. And I mean, it was really brief, but it was really fucking cool. So yeah, there was a lot of that kind of cool interaction uh, before the show, backstage, uh, the sound check and all can that. I, can I tell a Mike Judge story? Of course. So like... I wrote a song of kind of about Mike Judge. It wasn't about Mike Judge, but Judge was involved. But when we were backstage at the show, like he's like, we're backstage and there's like stuff for people to have that are backstage. And he just like, he goes up to like the coffee or whatever, the water. He was like, it's like, like, can we have this stuff? Um, is this for us? It was so like, he's like a, such a humble freaking dude. Yeah, was freaking I remember awesome. that. It was so good. I can't believe that Porcel didn't have his dream rig when he recorded the guitars on the Can't Close My Eyes 7-inch. <laughs> hey, man. Preposterous. I played that show with no sleep, too. Because we, it was a Saturday. I had a wedding on Friday, so I couldn't, like, I think everyone else went down on Friday. Did they go down on Friday and practice with you before the show? Yeah, and I had no sleep the night before that because i had just done something with harm's way uh so the you're right though you came in uh the following day uh the day before they all came to my house and we we had to cram in a practice that night it was the only time we could practice and i was fucking toast man and like to the point where i was like holy shit maybe far side is right maybe we're not ready (laughs) <laughs> i think you fell down on a jump at the show I did yeah <laughs> funny story about that like again to bring it full circle because that's how fucking plague with rage started i busted my head open falling playing guitar um i played i was playing my les paul which you know is significantly heavier than uh the esps i had uh for harm's way uh, which was intentional because you can throw them around. They're fucking, you know, they're good guitars, but they're light and uh, they're a dime a dozen. So I was so used to this really light guitar. Uh, and then like the first fucking jump I did with this, you know, fucking 10, 11, 12 pound Les Paul, like the way I came down 
just completely threw off my balance. <laughs> and there was this moment where I was like, I got it. And then I was like, no, I don't. And I just fucking, <laughs> I just let it go. I let it happen. Uh, but I stood right back up and I was like, oh my God. Like, <laughs> I hope judge didn't see me. <laughs> yeah. Hope Mike wasn't watching. <laughs> yeah. I had to, uh, I think I had a wedding and like I, Jeremy picked me up like after the wedding, I went home. So we left at 11 o'clock that night and drove right to Chicago and got there like at eight o'clock in the morning or something. And then did whatever we did for a few hours and then played the show. Oh, that's right. So we practiced again that morning. That's probably the only reason it didn't suck. Cause I remember that actually went well. Yeah. And we practiced with you. I think I recorded some of that stuff too. The things we do. Yeah. Things you do. <laughs> I mean, like, how often do you get to play with Judge, even though I feel like you guys played with them twice. three or four times? Twice. Yeah. Twice. And that was only a coincidence, uh, I think. I could, maybe I'm remembering that wrong. Because, like, when uh, he – I know you, you want to talk about the shirt. You can go back to it, I guess. But Because he, he was super cool uh, about that and, like, you know, wanted a shirt – you know, we gave him a shirt, he insisted on paying for it, and we kind of thought nothing of it, like he was just going to take it, whatever. And he fucking ends up showing up, start their set, wearing this fucking thing. Uh, and, uh, you know, when we, we played again with them, I don't remember how, how did that come about again? They were playing in Buffalo, and the show was like, it was Judge, World Be Free, I think, uh, what, what is Jesse's band called? Oh, um, Wreckage. Wreckage. And uh, Longest War. That was Chris Logan's band. Like, that was the show. And I think I messaged either, I messaged Charlie and Mike, and somehow we got in the show. Oh, yeah. is that how that happened? Yeah, we weren't on the show initially. But I messaged okay. Charlie and Mike, and they, they worked it out. Look if I you, recall, you, you uh, tapping, tapping to get in. Ah, seriously. <laughs> if I recall, you asked Chris Ring about it, and he was like, "Oh no, that's the whole, that's the whole lineup." And then Just you nonsense, man. And then you backdoored it. <laughs> We're the Edge Band. That yeah, yeah. I mean, like, yeah, the only Edge Band that played. <laughs> <laughs> no shade. <laughs> no shade. I love Judge. I love Charlie. I love the, those guys. I love that band. Uh but it's it's good that you got to play with them as a five piece because like I've and in since Judge has been back in what was it like 2013 I guess yeah yeah there there's been hit or miss shows uh, and it generally has to do with whether they're a five or a four piece yeah I, I was not aware of that I had yeah no idea. because I mean in, in this is just a simple matter of fact. Porcel spends half of his time doing this and not yeah, playing. Yeah. Yeah. And you need that backup her. Like you need Charlie to be filling in those those gaps. Yeah, that's how it was when I saw Heath today, too. It was like, like, don't get me wrong, it was like a religious experience. It was one of the most incredible moments of my life. But like no one was playing half the time except for yeah. Sandy. Like it was still you know, awesome. Like you're talking about this hardcore that was still so awesome. Yeah, were you at today? that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it makes all the difference in the world for you today, whether they have Walter playing, in my opinion. Oh, absolutely. He's because that dude can he he can show very plainly that he is into it and having a great time mm -hmm. while still holding every single thing together. 
Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I've seen the Youth of Today lineups with other people. Yeah. And it's like, oh, this is all right. And then you see the we're not in this alone lineup, and it's like, yeah. like, it's like a religious experience. It's another level thing. It really it's is. Like, holy shit. Like, holy shit. Yeah. I get it now. Like, this is what I mean. Obviously, I saw Youth of Today back then, but it was like, yeah. Like, okay, I see why people are excited for this. Like, it's yeah. a totally different you, animal. You were at that one. So you saw the, the dudes that were like moshing when there was just like Porcel feeding back and like, outrageous walks out on the stage it doesn't like people are moshing to ray walking out on stage <laughs> yeah they were so excited but yeah so excited. The, the thursday at this is hardcore when they played at that club that's yeah the, at uh union transfer, transfer i think it is yeah, yeah. No, that was that was incredible that was the one with burn right yeah yeah they, they yes. were both absolutely unbelievable that night yeah yeah i missed that show uh, you should like just block that entire time from your memory. So you I bought tickets for that it. show. Oh. But, but um, I was having a life crisis at that show at, or at that, time, at that time. That's why I couldn't go. It's you know, Mark, I would say that the, the second show that we saw when we drove to New York to see yeah. them was just as good. Yeah, as it, that it was pretty awesome. Show. Yeah, that was pretty just, awesome. Like, just but as good. at the, this is hardcore. Somehow I ended up on the stage and there's a picture of like the stage and everyone on the stage and everybody's singing along and I'm looking at my phone. <laughs> it's like my favorite fucking picture and I need to get a copy of it. What, what were you, do you remember what you were doing? I was actually taking a picture, okay. <laughs> but I was angling it so I could see what I was looking at, but it looks like I'm trying to look at my phone on the sly. You know, because I was trying time- to catch like, a reasonable level picture of it because i mean like roganoff was doing like all those crazy yoga poses yeah and like uh, walter like, is like all over the place and not missing a beat and parmananda's doing the porcel show and i was just trying to get like just trying to get like the perfect camera phone picture you know and then somebody just happened to take a picture in that moment it's like everyone's like yeah and i'm just like uh, <laughs> the first time that i saw youth of today was the 2004 reunion in philly uh, right outside Philly. And there are pictures from that show. I had just gotten my first shitty garbage camera phone. A flip phone. I, I've seen the video. I've seen you on your phone at that show. But I was like trying to take pictures because I was like, this is this is fucking cool. And I look like I'm some some dickhead texting someone or whatever. Watch the video. It's you're Not definitely good. doing that in the video. I'm good. I don't need to watch it. But yeah, it was uh I, I I empathize is what I'm saying. Yeah. I, I not to, go, go ahead. No, uh, no, no, go ahead. I was gonna say uh, not to keep talking about this uh, Youth Today show, but uh, I have I have a very funny story uh, as well. Uh, my so my now ex-wife, uh, she went with me, uh, and uh, she. This is, this is one of those moments where it's like, I cared more about seeing youth today in that moment than anything else. Like the world could have been ending. I did not give a fucking shit. Okay. <laughs> and here my, you know, this is total, like, you know, girlfriend, like, you know, when you're a kid, like hold my jacket kind of thing where she's like, I want to stand here with you. And like in my head, I'm like, I knew that that was a terrible idea. 
<laughs> I didn't give a shit. Okay. So she keeps asking me, she's like, so I'm right up front, like right against the front of the stage. And she's standing right next to me. And she starts to get a vibe like, this is probably not a good idea. And she starts, she keeps asking me, she's like, am I going to be okay? Am I going to be okay? And I'm like, I'm just like giddy. Like I'm fucking, you know, I'm getting the butterflies. I'm like, yeah, you're good. Shut up. You know? <laughs> and, uh, cause I didn't, I like, I just didn't want to deal with like the no go, you know, go over yeah. there. I just didn't, I didn't want to even deal with the conversation. Uh, so they start, <laughs> she disappears. Like I, I just, I see out of the peripheral, like, literally like she just got sucked into a black hole <laughs> and i i didn't think anything of it you know i enjoyed the rest of the show i got you know kicked in the fucking face like my one of my favorite shirts got the neck stretched out i fucking stage dove at the end fell on the ground you know i'm all fucking hurt and shit but i'm happy uh the show ends and uh <laughs> she was fucking furious with me she she so apparently what happened was she said uh like the first note uh some dude just straight up like kicked her in the chest so <laughs> she got she got the wind knocked out of her from the front uh got like pulled back and shoved back at the same time and hit like that that pole or whatever was back there. Yeah. Uh, so then she got pinned up against that and she was like, I couldn't breathe because I was pushed up against that. And I just got the wind knocked out of me. And she was like, I literally thought I was going to die. And then like my, my friend Manny from, from race trader uh, was there and like was happened to be standing next to us. And like, he like rescued her and like kind of pulled her out and was like, you know, you don't, just go stand over there until this is over. And she was like, the only reason I'm okay is because your friend helped me. <laughs> you could care less. And I was just like, you're right. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was, she was mad at me the rest of the weekend. It was fucking great though. Uh, you know yeah. what's funny? I sold Manny my ticket. <laughs> Are oh. you serious? Yes. <laughs> Holy shit, dude. It was meant to be. I guess so. It was meant to be. Because you weren't gonna save her, so yeah, like it was meant to be. I remember like you know, standing on the stage and just thinking, like, I wish I was five years younger. I wish I was five years younger. Because I wanted to stage dive so bad, but I was like, I just know like it's not gonna work out well yeah. for me. So I made sure I got one in. I I there was no way I was gonna like leave this earth not stage diving for you today because i had yeah. never done it so yeah 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 i was like, probably I was a good choice it. remember what happened to your friend at shelter i know <laughs> uh so boat. shelter played that was the same year wasn't it was it i don't think so no i went to the I one where was. Shelter played. I, I didn't i didn't see them though was it the next year um yeah he uh did a stage dive right in the beginning of shelter and uh broke his collarbone who was the uh Culavera. oh no kidding and then he had to drive back to detroit or the detroit area from philly with a broken collar with a broken like a friend well a friend of mine who um used to be a ems guy was like 
oh yeah his collarbone's broken and like you don't want to like touch anything he's like no i can just tell by the way his shoulder's hanging his collarbone's broken he needs to go to the hospital and he was just like i'm just gonna go home it's like dude your home is like detroit what are you talking about <laughs> that, i'm just gonna go my home. collarbone not recommended <laughs> yeah it, it, he didn't do anything about it he just let it like heal so i think he's kind of like this now Fuck. Are you serious? Yeah. He didn't even end the mess. I don't remember. I don't if he did go to the hospital, he like very cursory care. Uh but I mean he drove from Philly to Detroit with it all fucked up. And it was like right off the bat. Like right off the bat. He's like, I think I broke my collarbone. I'm like, oh, that's that. It's definitely in the in the video of the show. I definitely it's it's right there. It's like <laughs> Yeah, like I think he, he even posted oh. it, and here's where I broke my collarbone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. Uh, so where were we on Black X? <laughs> uh, Mike Judge getting a shirt. I think Jay talked about that. Yeah, I mean, pretty much. He, uh, he, uh, yeah, he asked, uh, insisted on paying for it, and uh, we gave it to him. Didn't we? Didn't really think much about it. And then he shows, he comes out on stage for their set wearing our fucking shirt. We got a bunch of pictures of that. It's really fucking cool. Yeah. He, you know and cool he's still too? like, well, sorry, go on. I was going to, I feel like I've seen a somewhat recent, like the last two years picture of him wearing it. And he's not a guy who wears many band shirts. Yeah. Yeah. I so think, that's pretty, that's pretty significant. I think uh, I, we didn't have the seven inch at the time, but we definitely gave him a demo. I, uh holy shit i forgot about this i coincidentally uh i used to email back and forth with him around this time uh because i bought his copy of see if i can grab it real quick bought his copy of uh bringing it down on uh what is it that green green nice yeah he uh he was I was looking to uh, get back like a bunch of the stuff that I had sold years ago, and, and that was mm-hmm. like one of the things that was definitely high up in my collection, and uh, was always bummed I got rid of it. And I was just searching eBay one day, uh, right? This was right around that time, uh, and uh, <clears throat> looking at like the no one picked up on this uh, that was like trying to buy it or whatever like i i just saw like i don't remember what his like username was but i was like that's my judge mm-hmm. um so like i i messaged him about it and uh he was like yeah my at the time his like his dog was like dying or needed surgery or something like that um so i ended up i ended up uh being the the winning bidder on this thing and we used to keep in touch and like i had him autograph uh the uh poster for or the flyer for that judge that judge show um and i I have it framed on my wall um so we used to keep in touch uh and i i tried and at a certain point he just stopped responding but i i tried keeping up with him um after that Metro show here in Chicago. Cause I, I wanted to send him a seven inch once it was actually out. I don't think he's ever heard it. Uh, I think, I think he only has that demo. Um, but it's cool that you apparently 
according to what you're saying, he still wears that shirt. So that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. He, um, he lives upstate now and he works at, uh, the EVR warehouse. Uh, oh, so really? I can, I can like, if you want, I can try to figure out how to get an address for him. You can mail him one if you still have Oh, it. that'd be, I would love to do that. That'd be fun. Uh, I'll, I'll see what I can do. Yeah, that would be, that would be great. Um, I feel like you still owe me one. I feel like you said you were going to send me one because I only have the test press. So I can't ask you a record. No, I only have the test press. Yeah, I can do that. Absolutely. Appreciate it. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So, so let's talk about the record. Like how did the, yeah, yeah. Cool kid. We see you. Uh, (laughs) Let's talk about how the record came about. Like, I, I forget what label it came out on because, you know, I, I defy records, Jim Stormtroopers. Okay. Label. Okay. What else did he put anything else out or just you guys? He, uh, he put out uh, my quote unquote solo record, uh, Atonement Theory, which is now a, an actual band. Um, and uh, I inherited, so to speak, this record because it was abandoned by Jim. Um, so. It's technically mine now, but I don't want to have a record label, so I'm not going to do anything with it. But like I acquired everything from him. Um, So what happened was um, he had been talking about doing a like a label was the one thing he hadn't done yet. He kept talking about that for years and and wanted to do it. Um, He around the time the demo was out which i don't even remember what year that would have been um he uh he asked me about uh putting out he originally he wanted to release the demo as a seven inch that's how all this started um and uh, so I met up with him and I let these guys know, you know, what was going on that he was interested. And originally he was like, he was talking about, he was going to do at the time, I was like, okay, you know, tell me like what other stuff you got lined up, what else is going on with the label. He was going to do, you know, that Damnation repress that ended up coming out. Um, um, uh yeah i forget what label it was that yeah, was like and hits or something like that yeah i think so uh he was originally supposed to do that uh i don't know what the hell happened uh but um he was at the time he was talking to ken olden from damnation about doing that um and uh he was there was a. Uh, there was a another uh, Chicago band. I forget what they were called. It was the drummer from Los Crudos? I think they're still around. Um, he was talking to them about doing a seven inch. He was talking to us, um, and then he expressed interest in my at the time my my solo project thing, Atonement Theory. So I was like, okay, yeah, that all sounds great. Like you got a bunch of stuff lined up in the works. It was him and his girlfriend Nicole um so the original thought was he he wanted to do the demo like i said as as a seven inch um and so i kind of relayed that information back to these guys and uh they were 
pretty, I might've been mostly Chris, <laughs> were pretty animate about not doing that and leaving the demo as a demo. And cause like we were by then, like we were, we already had tons of new material. Um, the same thing happened after the seven inch, like we were writing a full length. We have like seven songs that are just like, you know, out there that, that'll never see the light of day. So, and yeah. And then that second seven inch, uh, that I, I feel like Mark has something to say in regards to that. Go for it. Sort of like my new band. We're going to play one of those songs. I asked Eric about it. So we're going to revive one of those songs that we never recorded in a real way. So I'm looking so, forward to that. Why don't you guys just record those songs and just like, self-release it on like a tape or something um because i mean like, like legitimately every release you guys did got was better than the one before it and yeah, like, I, actually, I would really like to hear that stuff and i think a lot of people who were into black x would like to hear that stuff and have a, a material object to hear it off of yeah i actually agree with you like the the, the material we had for the second seven inch which was recorded during the same session as the first seven inch mm -hmm. i actually like that quote unquote seven inch better than the one that came out um and then the stuff or the supposed full length was even better than that like uh chris especially by then he was uh writing some really dark uh, like everything became more and more like motorhead and tragedy uh just you know i mean it legitimately sounded like chain of strength meets tragedy and motorhead it was fucking awesome yeah, and like a little you bit guys, you guys need to figure it out and record that stuff good luck <laughs> yeah i'm just saying that, like that description like, that description defies logic but i'm very intrigued by it yeah like you need you guys need to figure it out and record it even if one person has to play all the instruments like you guys need to figure it out and record it or like all that you have you to know, do is like, get eric on board with it and he could play every note yeah, yeah. Like he he can cover everything like you make sure you have chris i don't know why chris wouldn't want to do it come on and then eric eric covers really? the rest. you're not you sure why chris, chris wouldn't want to do it I, I haven't the last conversation i had with chris was probably like 20 years ago and he just wanted to verify if the rumors of me touring within sync doing stages was true or not that's like the way? last conversation that i had with him and yes they were true all right that's awesome um i think there are too many curmudgeons in the band at this point uh <laughs> us not being one us Neither one of us being them. Well, that's why the two of you are here. <laughs> and the, no, you know. well, I mean, I don't, I didn't even ask Chris, and we're saving Eric for other stuff. <laughs>
Yeah, I don't I don't know. Like we, you know, to kind of back up answering your question, like uh yeah, so that we insisted on recording a seven inch, a proper seven inch. Uh and like even when we were doing that, like Jim kept insisting, like, but I still want to release this demo. I still want to release this. And we were like, okay, well, that can be another seven inch. And then what happened was <laughs> We went into the studio and recorded two seven inches worth of material, came out of the studio, and we were like, Jim, you have to put out two seven inches, not the demo. Like, we kept just, like, basically underskirting this demo idea that he really yeah. wanted to do because he really liked the demo. Uh, and then, so we were supposed to do a, that second seven inch, uh, and then, uh, like, there were talks of moving that thing along and then the the label kind of fell apart uh and then by then we were writing for this full length so we were like you know fuck it like maybe the second seven inch will never see the light of day or by then like i was kind of debating whether or not i was going to continue doing that label so i was like maybe i'll put it out and who knows maybe i still will someday and then, you know, that full length, uh, it's funny because like we actually came really close to booking studio time because Chris and I were like, Mark, you might remember this. I don't know. Like Chris and I were like, uh, the only way we'll like between all of us and our schedules and like just people being lazy, whatever, like, well, we have to book studio time. Otherwise it's not real. Um, so we came really close to booking studio time and like, like two weeks or something, maybe not that soon, maybe, maybe a month, like, uh, before we officially broke up, Chris actually flew out to my house, uh, for what was, I think maybe even the second time where him and I were collaborating on, on like this, this material, uh, and we were going over the material writing and talking about this, you know, all right, we'll go back to Buffalo and like talk to Mark or uh, talk to uh, Eric about booking this studio time. And then like three or four weeks later, Eric was like, I don't want to do the band anymore. <laughs> I'm in too many bands. <laughs> oh, bad, bad choice. Bad yeah. Choice. So we came really close to booking that studio time. I think maybe like, I don't know, I can't speak for Eric, but um, I think maybe when we came that close to booking the studio time, it made it real enough. Eric was like, yeah, I don't want to, like, I don't want to commit to this anymore. Uh, so not only do I, I don't want to do that, but I, I, I can't do the band anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I it wonder kind of... if, I wonder if having like a little bit of a lineup change of, uh, you know, far side being out and yeah. already already coming in and it was like you know what this is turning into a real band it, not just like a project well yeah. already already had quit the band like and then but then we broke up because already it couldn't was, do it anymore my yeah. i i actually kind of pushed Artie in that direction a little bit just to like be in oh, the band or to quit the band no to be you like to like, get in contact and like kick around the idea of being in the band and he was looking for something uh, that was just like fucking around, having a good time with some friends. Mm -hmm. And then I feel like 
we've never discussed this explicitly, but I feel like he thought he, he saw the band kind of shifting a little bit and getting a little bit more serious, which is something he wasn't on board with mm-hmm. based on all the stuff he had going on. And I feel like that kind of shifted him. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, th- again, this is not something that we've explicitly discussed, but that's yeah. the vibe that I got talking to him around that time. Interesting. Yeah, I, I kind of remember that. And I kind of remember kind of like what Chris is saying, like with like this bass player situation. And then the fact that, you know, granted, we knew from the inception of the band that I was 600 miles away. And then Mark was obligated to do uh, his, his work, which was uh, shooting weddings mostly, uh, which is during the sum- spring and summer, which is mostly when we would have been able to play. Uh, between all this, it was just like basically a lot of times just like Chris and Eric, like, okay, well now what, you know? And I think Eric was at that point was in like probably like 17 bands and was like, yeah. I- <laughs> right. Well, you're dealing with a lot of problems that you have when you're 40 that you don't have when you're 20. Yeah. Or, yeah. You know? Like, and like and bands. seventeen bands, <laughs> and, 17 and, bands. and seventeen bands, yeah. <laughs> and I think at that point it was like it kind of it 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 uh, went against the grain of what we kind of formed the band on, which was just like, oh, let's just have fun, you know. We're we've been playing music together, which ironic. Uh, music together since we were kids and which ironically like is why in the beginning I thought like oh this is great like this band will never break up then (laughs) (laughs) I like I said when I heard the the Black Axe stuff for the first time I was blown away I was like everybody involved and, and I had differing degrees of feelings for the various people in the bands but it was like <laughs> every, <laughs> what, what everyone, is charitable phrasing? Uh, you know, I'm trying to be positive in my old age. Everyone, sure. I feel like everyone was at their their peak of what they were capable of doing. And like all of the shortcomings or opportunities that like a half mass had or a played with rage had, Black X did not have. Black X was firing on all cylinders. And Black X had the like the hidden black diamond of Mark Miller. Yeah. And, and that fucking voice that no one knew he had. Stop. Like, no, like for real. Because like when you would like do little like guest spots with whatever whatever band, it was like, oh, so that was Mark, huh? And then this happens, it was like, oh fuck, that's Mark. You know? And it just like it Chris, blew me did you away. See them? no and i'm fucking mad about it that's why like i keep pushing like yeah you should release this other thing yeah you should get the band back together because i never fucking saw him (laughs) well to me you know again just from an outside spectator's perspective i really like the recorded stuff a lot i think it's got Mm -hmm. it's got like it's doing something that not a lot of I, i can't think of any bands that are direct comparisons you can think of a lot of like x meets y but there's not really a one-to-one comparison. So I like that's points right there, but live the intensity was so much higher. Like you could tell Mark was kind of dealing with some shit and he was using it as, as like a pressure release. And you could just, you could see that when the band played out, 
And I thought that it was really mm -hmm. cool. And like on top of that, it's really hard to hit the mark when you're an old guy band. Because who gives a shit about most old guy bands? But the fact is that old guys. this old guy band is, is fundamentally different because most old guy bands are like, oh, yeah, I, I started doing hardcore bands when I was 17 years old and I've just been doing them straight through and now I'm 44 and I'm still doing it. Whereas, I mean, Mark, how old were you when the band started? Uh, like 39. Yeah, I mean, you're 39 years old. You've been around forever. And uh, that was the first time you had any involvement in a band. It, it, it loaned it a little bit more urgency as opposed to, in, in my opinion, a lot of bands that are populated with older dudes that have said the same thing 15 times already. Mm -hmm. You know? I would say having and, not, and even though me, I never saw Black Axe, I would have said, though, to add to the intensity, like not only like everything that was going on with Mark at that time and the urgency that you're kind of age shaming him with, uh, um, that like we know we know the intensity that Jay brings from you know harm's way and played with rage, and we know the intensity that fucking Chris brings. Like he's doing like full blown kicks and fucking Timberlands. Yeah, you know, uh, and and you know like so it's like you saying like you talking about like the intensity of Black X Live. I'm not surprised by that at all. You know, like not at all. And that's another reason why I'm bummed that I never got to see him. Yeah, I mean, the one cool thing is like, uh, <clears throat> I mean, Chris and I, we have a lot of musical differences, but we also have a lot of, you know, there's definitely a line where we, you know, even though it's been 35 fucking years, there's still... You know, he went this way, I went that way. We're both still straight edge and we both have, you know, this this line where we still line up uh, that hasn't changed since we were, since he was 14 and I was, you know, 16. Uh, and that was what made Plague With Rage, uh, you know, a good percentage of it anyways, because that was his and my dynamic uh, that was a lot of that intensity uh, and I felt like, you know, that was largely the reason I wanted to do this band when they asked me, because I was like, I, I get to be in a band again with Chris and, um, you know, he's, he's not going to be the one that you're going to uh, really talk to after the show. But like you said, he's the one fucking, you know, doing full split kicks and fucking Timberlands and, uh, that's not easy to do. Uh, and, you know, there's, there's a certain level of intensity that, you know, I feel like, you know, I, I've retained individually ever since I was 16, but, you know, you put him and I together in that element together and uh, it, it's, it was kind of unique. And like, we didn't play guitar together in Plague With Rage, but we both wrote the songs and, you know, we, had, we were in half mass together and um oddly enough like that was the first band we played guitar in together even though we are gearheads talking about you know musical equipment uh for the last 30 years so there was a lot of interesting dichotomies about that band that kind of made it what it was like you said and and you put it really well like a lot of that didn't surface 
until 30 some odd years later, whether it was Mark, you know, even though, yeah, he's my age too, but that was the first time he sang for a band. So that really kind of showed itself. This was the first time that Chris and I played guitar in a band together. That kind of showed itself. Um, you know, just really cool things like that, that even though we were 40 some odd years old and old straight edge dudes, like um, in a weird way, it was uh, a lot of firsts for us that wasn't just regurgitated in my opinion. Yeah, yeah no, it's, it's, that's, I mean, it's pretty spot on with like, it just, yeah, I'm just bummed. I never got to see black ax and I'm bummed that like, NCS there, Fest 23. Final songs you're talking about never got. Yeah, NCS Fest 23. Uh, <laughs> that didn't like. Day three. Those songs We're playing day three. Third about. on day three. <laughs> <laughs> third band, third day. NCS Fest. <laughs> uh, <laughs> right after Cinderblock. <laughs> Hashtag Cinderblock 2021. <laughs> I saw Cinderblock. Did, did they have the brick that they were jumping off of when you saw them? I believe I remember that. <laughs> it was uh, the Endpoint show at Randall. Okay. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Enough about Cinderblock. Enough about Cinderblock. Mark, what was, the, what was the last show? Because I didn't play it. We played in Albany, New York at uh, a bar. Who'd you this play guy, with? Jason Crack, did it. But I don't remember what name the bar was. It was a bar in Albany. They, a lot, I guess a, that kid does a lot of shows in Albany. So, Who did you play with? Bands that... Uh, there was that one band. There was a band of young kids. What were they called? Uh, let me look it up here. I probably got the flyer somewhere. They were, like had initials, like Y-O-T-B or something. Or yeah, that sounds familiar. Something like that. But they were really young. But they were, they were good. But we played with like this like other band, which wasn't really a hardcore band but it was fun but uh i think like pat, rap good i think like keith brown came to the show pat knight came to the show and and uh carl war machine came to the show they drove up from new york nice. well pat well carl did but keith lives in albany i think so that was cool yeah that was the last show it was a saturday night in like february did you know it was gonna be the last show or did things uh, just kind of fell apart after no. that no, we just fell apart after that. Here fell it apart. Found it. Uh, Y-B-O-D, fine grain. Does what does Y-B-O-D right? mean? Your brain on drugs. Yeah, that was it. Yeah, that's right. Mm. Yeah. That's definitely like a first band name. <laughs> Your brain. Your brain on drugs. Yeah, like, hey, we're, this is our first band. We're like 16. That's also a really weird reference to pull if you're like 16 years old in, you know, whatever, 2017. Sure. It's also Albany. Yeah. <laughs> Some place called Polly's. Yeah. It was a bar. <laughs> that was a fun, that was a good show, though. I thought it was fun. Even though you weren't there, Jay. Yeah, well, you know, February, yeah, Saturday, February 10th. The last few shows that we played, I played with no shoes on for some reason. I like I I was I was channeling my inner Henry Rollins. Do you remember? <laughs> do you remember like when I would like dance in the pit with no shoes? I do. <laughs> I don't know how my feet survived. I, I really remember the no pants more, but 
what? Uh, you know, what, what can I say? I don't, you know, I really think that only happened at nail shows and there was like minimal hardcore kids there. So like the, the legend of it may have just permeated into your mind. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, that's probably right. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, yeah, we're not going to go into that, but what it grew into isn't necessarily the reality. What else you guys got? Come on. Uh, so something that our missing co-host uh, has, has brought up and wants to kind of add in, we're going to start it here. What's your top rev release of the first 22? You're asking Jay, right? Yeah, because I feel like you just said yours the last time. Yeah. First 22. So what is number 22? Just so I have a... Burn. 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 Burn? Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, wow. That's a really tough question. Uh, probably that first Chain of Strength 7-inch. Um, but... Uh, Man, that's a tough question. Uh, that Judge LP is up there. I don't know what number the statue uh, filtered it's the at, That's after. It's after, that's, but that's, that thing, that yeah. thing is epic. That's mid twenties. Okay. Yeah, I'd say either uh, bringing it down or uh, that first chain seven inch. Good answer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> which which chain seven inch do you prefer? Oh man, you're you're asking me to choose between two children. Um, <laughs> you know, that's tough because they're both so good for different reasons. And that second seven inch has like four or five different mixes. I was just about to say, like, I wasn't aware because I've never been a Chain of Strength fan because of old school politics. So because I, of old school politics? Yeah, that's a whole nother thing. All right. So it, I never fucked with the second Chain 7-inch until recent years, and I wasn't aware that each version was a different mix. Yep. Which is mind-blowing and a great, like, record collector strategy. Yeah, they're also like in a different order. Oh, are they? Yeah, uh, there's at least one or two versions where I think it's song two and three are like flip flopped or something like that. Mm. Um, yeah, you have the the U.S. press, you have the first strike press, and then on top of that, you have the different sounding uh, the reject press that that's like the. Um, chain crew and confusion and then you have the remix for the uh for the discography yeah one thing that still holds true well we know that whenever rev puts out a new version of something the mixes are different like i've heard that each iteration of the youth of today records is a different mix as well but i don't have them all to like check and i don't have an interest enough to check yeah that sounds about right i you know i've got the mind power version which is my preferred version and it's not even this is probably why is um i like the the song order and the mix on this one uh and that could just be because this is the first version i heard and became the most accustomed to 
before hearing like you know what is this uh that the first strike first strike version i think back in the day that was the only one that i heard was the first strike version uh yeah. but i have i don't I have a found this as much yeah, I didn't really think it was anything great. Um, I have a foundation one, but I never actually listened to it. I think the foundation one is, I, I could be wrong here. Uh, the foundation one is very similar to that Mind Power one, too. Um, yeah, I don't, there's so many different versions of this fucking thing. And then, like, <clears throat> uh, Eric has. Do you know the story about uh, Eric's little find on eBay? No. He, uh, maybe I'm not supposed to talk about this. Uh, if it's bad, we can edit it out. No, no, no. It's, it. it's, it's, it's great. He, he, had, he stumbled upon eBay like a couple of years ago. Uh, like five, uh, they were just, uh, it's, it's the second seven inch and I think it's nothing nothing special like they're just on black or something mm -hmm. i don't i don't remember which which uh which pressing. pressing it would be but uh uh eric was uh kind of similar to my find was with the judge thing was like that's that that last name is uh is canalis so he messaged the person selling it and it's it, it's like it was kurt's niece or something like that and come to find out she had like uh like a, a box of shit that like her uncle had had given her and in this box was like five like mia copies of like the second seven inch on which pressing i forget uh that have just like been in his attic for the last 30 years or whatever new old stock copies that are yeah new old stock copies uh so eric bought them <laughs> and he still has them and he has been uh he he told me this uh, this has been going on for a bit now but uh he's like i'm gonna i'm gonna add i'm going to intentionally add to the collectability and rarity and confusion of this now infamously multiple copy version you know cover of this seven inch and i'm going to uh make my own covers that are different that are called like the the i he, he was calling it like her first name like release or something like that uh and he, he was like I'm, I'm gonna like i'm gonna give one to a, a couple you know specific friends you'll be one of them and he's like i'm gonna give one to tim mcmahon of course because he has to own every version uh, yeah every version of it so i'm not gonna leave him out of it but yeah he's got like this master plan to add to the confusion of of the uh second chain seven inch because he has these five weird weird copies i don't know i just that was that was it's funny because i don't i don't know <laughs> but uh yeah long story short uh probably that first that first chain seven inch or uh bringing it down for me what what was your answer mark um what was my answer i think it was a quicksand seven inch or the judge lp 
Oh, yeah, the quicksand seven inch. That's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, like we said, I, I don't remember if I said it then or not because the quicksand seven inch was not one of mine, but that quicksand seven inch was huge when it first hit. Like that blew people's minds and changed a lot of people's like perspectives on things. Myself included. Yeah. I think, uh, I, you know, I kind of, I remember not to get off topic, but like, I remember like not liking it and I, I feel like I wasn't ready for it. Uh, coincidentally, I think I, you know, you and I had this conversation before, I think Chris, on a, maybe one of the other podcasts, but my first show was that uh, Shelter Quicksand uh, Inside Out. No, did no joke open that or am I just- I don't, I don't remember. Remembering uh, maybe every fucking show in Buffalo, but- particularly at that time for some yeah. inexplicable reason yeah uh so i saw them and i knew you know who they were and i i didn't didn't care for it. the seven inch came out i remember like not really liking it and it, i i didn't really care for quicksand until for some reason maybe i was just a little mature enough when slip came out uh and that blew my mind. And then I went back to the seven inch and was like, I'm a fucking idiot. Like, <laughs> like this is like, it, it changed everything. Yeah. I mean, it really did. Well, it, it really did. Like quicksand. Really did. I don't know that necessarily quicksand is responsible for, but they were definitely the best of the youth crew bands or affiliates that transitioned into quote unquote post hardcore. Uh, but I feel like that they were one of the first ones to at least get recognition of that. And then like, you know, into another uppercut transitioned into Mind's Eye, uh, like, you know, other bands like transitioned into this different thing. And I really feel like that, like Walter and Quicksand was the, like the door that opened that all up. Yeah. hundred percent. I, I completely agree. I mean, if it wasn't for that, like, you know, then you have, you know, all these, mainstream quote-unquote mainstream bands coming out of you know helmet uh mm -hmm. i mean we're yeah. just you know you're seeing this stuff on mtv and beavis and butthead and it's mm -hmm. like holy shit i just saw some of these guys playing hardcore two three yeah. years ago. right right and um, like even like the west coast they had an impact there because like yeah one was a little bit in that vein uh like you know in in their ham-fisted way uh had first was kind of trying to explore those options a little bit. You know, like, I, I a while back, I wanted to do a, a zine where, like, you ask people, where were you when certain records dropped? And, like, that Quicksand 7-inch is one of them. Like, where were you and how did it affect you? And, ironically enough, the Inside Out 7-inch was also one of those questions I wanted to ask. Oh, like, yeah. Where were you and what was happening when? Because on the last episode, I really shit all over the Inside Out 7-inch, but that was just, like, reaction. <laughs> Uh, I, saw, I saw your post on that and uh going back to dan o'mahoney didn't he come have some comments about that oh yeah he like he wasn't happy and i'm like you know it was i i was partially trolling and it was partially yeah. reactionary to something else I and like it's like yeah like yeah it was a total reactionary post of looking to upset people and i upset <laughs> somebody <laughs> yeah you definitely did 
Uh, you also just reminded me that I may have to change my answer to the inside out segment. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say that was the only wrong answer in this. Not that it's a bad record, but that's the wrong answer. <laughs> wrong answer. Yeah. Wrong Interview answer. over. <laughs> yeah. Fucking love that thing. Yeah. I mean, I do too. Don't get me wrong. Like, I totally like it's 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 a phenomenal record. But like I said in that last episode, there are other records from that early period that when they come out on a colored vinyl, I buy it, and that's not one of them. Why? I Is wish there... that I could have heard the Inside Out 7-inch without having the framework of, of already being familiar with Rage Against the Machine. Yeah, it's yeah. a totally because... different thing. It's a totally different thing. Uh, and for end- me, Rage is bad. like I, I bought that seven inch. I, I bought the CD of it in like 1995, 96, somewhere around there. Mm-hmm. And I was well familiar with Rage. Yeah. And uh, that's why I bought it, obviously. But it was a lot of like, people. That's why it's like one of sure. the top sellers. Yeah, of course. I just you- to, to hear it the way that you heard it, though, would would probably be absolutely fucking incredible yeah oh yeah absolutely jealous of that experience but to answer your question jay the burn seven inch is more important to me than the inside out seven inch uh those songs those lyrics that arrangement like wow the inside out seven inch is like recording hugely powerful the burn seven inch like hits my soul yeah the drums alone are fun yeah yeah that takes you like oh yeah and and Every single album of seven, inch. seven inches is artistically perfect. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, the 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 sick of it all seven inches huge for me. You know, and honestly, like the youth of today disengaged seven inch, like that's their best stuff. And there's there's not a single thing wrong with that record, regardless yeah. of what people say. Like those three are are ahead of Inside Out for me. You know, I may I may have been wilding out when I said that perfection of desire is better than this inside out seven inch. <laughs> but you know, it's you lost I I knew you were trying to piss people off, but I I read that and I was like, <laughs> okay, Chris. <laughs> yeah, I was it was old school Chris coming back looking to upset people. <laughs> <laughs> I I had a interesting uh experience with that inside out seven inch uh that like you were kind of saying like it, it is a different experience. Uh, and for me, uh, did you guys, you, you listen to uh, the Where It Went podcast at all? They were talking about how, when they would talk about that seven inch, I know it was a while ago now, but um, so I never knew what the hell I had until they were talking about this. Cause there, there was like these weird demo versions of that thing floating around. Mm-hmm. Um, I had that uh, like, dub of a dub of a dub of a dub i probably yeah. got it from scott sprig because he was my newspaper boy and he lived down the street um and that was what i was listening to like probably even before the seven inch was out maybe i don't even know and i wore that fucking thing out man i could not stop listening to it 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 was just yeah that that thing blew me away yeah, I mean, it was it was huge. Like, it was an atom bomb when it dropped. Yeah. Uh, and, and I don't deny that. And I don't deny, like, that, you know, it's obviously <clears throat> those songs, people cover those songs. I'm going to go crazy with everyone else. Uh, 
but I don't think that it eclipses everything in the first 22. Yeah, no, you I, know, I, I think it's definitely top five, but it's not like it's not the you know, it's not the top of the mountain. I could see that. Good call. And maybe for me, like the whole Rage Against the Machine thing diminishes it to a degree. Um, uh, it, I'm not gonna lie, it kind of does for me too, because I'm not a huge fan of that band at all. Uh, but uh, it's neither here nor there. I still. Uh, and you know, for me personally, like I actually think the best song is not even on that seven inch. It's it's the the one of the two songs on the on the CD. Thank you, yeah, thank you, because I feel that those two songs are better than the other four. And people are always like, "No, no, you don't know what you're talking about." It's like those two songs are fucking amazing. Yeah, uh, for me, it's forgetting uh, forgetting. Redemption or um, uh, sacrifice. Sacrifice. I yeah. fucking love that song. Yeah. Yeah. I I agree with you. I think that that's that's their best song in my opinion. Like, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. There's just and, and like for me personally, like, uh, I mean. <laughs> just listening to Chris Bratton play drums gives me a fucking heart on. And like, there's like his performance, like I can just feel the intensity and like, mm-hmm. he is just fucking firing on all cylinders on that particular track. Uh, so when, when chain of strength played uh, the rev fest in New York, Chris Bat- Bratton is doing something and in between songs. He's like pacing behind the drums. I was there. Uh, okay. So you saw that. Yeah. So, I said, while he's doing it, I was like, man, that dude must be a lot to deal with. I feel bad for his wife. And his wife was standing behind me. Oh, no. And she was like, kind of like, what the fuck? And I was like, he's a lot to deal with, isn't it, Gene? And she's like, yeah. <laughs> I was like, so I wasn't wrong. <laughs> yeah, that guy's that, a fucking maniac. He was yeah, like, but he's another level. And like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, it was, it was well worth watching, but yeah, I was definitely like, man, I feel bad for that dude's wife. And she's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was, that was pretty intense. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so you guys have anything? Or are we going to wrap it up on uh, me insulting Chris Bratton's wife? It's <laughs> <laughs> a good way to end it. <laughs> I don't have anything. I mean, this band was so short-lived. Such a such an amazing life, though. Like short but sweet. Gotta leave them wanting more, Chris. Absolutely, and, and you you successfully did that because I and fucking I want it, more. I have it all on my computer. <laughs> and the thing is, no band is really broken up until people are dead. Whew. That's that's a pretty heavy way to leave this. <laughs> NCS Fest 2023. <laughs> <laughs> all three. together. Day three. Band three. Playing at seven o'clock at night. <laughs> <laughs> so I can be home and in bed by nine. Exactly. <laughs> We're playing before Chris Wyatt's at bedtime. <laughs> I have a quick question. Yeah. Was it I a mean, conscious decision to... to you know, not to put 
a lyric sheet in the in the demo? There because wasn't a lyric sheet in the demo? Not in mine. Um, so if I remember correctly, I think later copies, wasn't there like a separate printed sheet that was folded up in inside that thing? Maybe you have the tape or the CD, Alex? Uh, I just have a tape. CDs don't exist. Wait, there's tapes of the Black Axe demo? Yeah. yeah. I need one of those. Yeah, there's cassettes. We did CDs. Pro printed too. Yeah, I don't. I don't need a CD. I need a tape. Sad okay. about it. Where do I find that shit? Not on Discogs for. Do you have bucks. that, Jay? J tape. The cassette. Yeah. I have like my personal copy. All right. I have. I have, I'll send you one, Chris. I have. All right. Cool. Cool. Good shit. I didn't know. So there are lyrics in the CD version, but not in the tape. I think so. Think so. The I lyric. See. The lyric sheet in the. Uh, in the CD, I think has like the not the uh, Martin Luther King, like flipping off the camera. You don't have that. I don't have, dude. The last time that I voluntarily took possession of a CD was two thousand five. Fair enough. I, I hate the format. I have no time for it. And uh, yeah, it's okay. It's not for me. But the recording is fucking cool, and I have a different format of it, so I'm with that. All right, Mark, Jay, thank you guys for being on. It was great. Uh, you know, get those Black X recordings warmed up because I'm sure people are going to want to hear it now. Yeah, and honestly, if anyone wants to, uh, I, I've said this before on some of our our posts for the band or things that Mark has posted about the 7-inch, if uh, anyone uh, wants, well... Mark, you actually reminded me the last time I posted this that those second seven-inch songs are actually on the Black X Bandcamp. Yeah, yeah. Yes, there is a Black X Bandcamp. Speaking uh, of that, how do you get the songs on Spotify? Because I just looked and they're not there. No idea. Okay, um, that's fair. Yeah, there would have to be a label involved, which would probably be means me having to pay money. And, mm. uh, but I'll, I'll, I can look into that. Um, but uh, yeah, we Talk can the I defy head honcho. Yeah, yeah, and like, or you know, I can email people uh, files for either seven inch. I've got fuck. I've got copies of the first seven inch. Uh, I'm willing to send to people for nothing other than postage if they want a copy of that. Uh, if people want to hear anything else, you know, we've there's stuff floating around. If you're in Buffalo, I have I have some copies as well. Still, so, so stop by Delaware Camera; they're free with purchase. <laughs> <laughs> stop that. There you go. <laughs> oh, that would be great. Here's your, <laughs> yeah. Here are your triple set of pictures: a black X seven inch and an NCS sticker. Here you go. <laughs> you want a green, red, or blue copy, ma'am? <laughs> stop. All three. All three. Got to go with the trifecta. I will send you uh, all three, Chris. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, I'll do that. Appreciate that. Cool. I will send you some stickers when I figure out where they drop to. Thank you, Jay. Thanks for coming on again. Yeah. It's your third time. Hopefully, uh... <clears throat>